When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everybody, welcome to the 74th episode of the number one most downloaded podcast hosted by a Serbian guy on the entire DNVR podcast network. Welcome to the Serbian Corner. My name is Miroslav Cuk and I'm exhausted just from watching the Nuggets play five games in seven days and traveling between each of them, so I hope the players appreciate my effort. Since my last show, we've seen them demolish the lousy Spurs in Ball Arena, despite Victor Vembanyama looking like a mantis among flies in that game. It was a great Michael Porter game, and I guess Jokic also had a 39-point somber double. It was the first game Aaron Gordon joined Jamal Murray in street clothes, and I I don't have a lot of takeaways from that game. The Spurs are just a very bad NBA team right now. 24 hours later, our boys were already lacing them up in Los Angeles, facing the four Hall of Famers behemoth. Jokic was obviously frightened from the world champion Daniel Tice, so he rested next to Aaron and Jamal. Now, before the game, a friend of the show and one of my favorite guests, Siti Fazio, tried to speak into existence MPJ as a number one option with all of the Nuggets' big three being out. My comment on that was that Reggie is a surefire first option and not Mike, not because I doubted Mike could do it, even though I kind of doubt it. It's because of who Reggie is, a very dynamic player who would have to, uh, who would have the ball in his hands a lot. Now, I did not predict that KCP and MPJ would combine for 6 of 27 from the field and the Nuggets would still win. It was superstar Reggie and Michael Jordan who won it. Mm, DeAndre Jordan, I'm sorry, my bad. It was an all-time two-man performance, backed up by some great minutes from Peyton Watson and Julian Strotter, so I'm pretty sure the Nuggets have a backup five solution against certain teams. 48 hours later, back to Denver, the Rockets finally came to our backyard, peanut butter and jelly were back in the lineup, and the guy who benefited the most from their return was MPJ, who had one of his best regular season games. He ended up with 30 points, 10 rebounds, and for me, most importantly, five assists. It was so great to watch him being really comfortable with the ball and also hitting so many outside shots. But we know how big of an a-hole Jokic is. He had to eclipse that with 32 points, 10 rebounds, 15 assists, eight of which were in the first quarter alone. Even though Jamal didn't play particularly well, it was a reminder game for just how amazing the Nuggets' offense look like when they have almost all of their guys back. Another 48 hours later, the champs traveled to Arizona to face the surging Phoenix Suns, a team I called out as one of the teams that should be good but actually kind of suck. No Jamal, since he sprained his ankle in that Rockets game, so no, uh, still no Aaron Gordon, and on the other side, no Devin Booker and no Brad Beal, who is still a son just in theory, since he didn't play a single game this season so far. Reggie was back in the starting lineup, and Justin Holiday too. The first half of this game was just what Nikola dreams of. He only took four shots from the field, and he had three starters in double digits, plus Justin Holiday and Julian Strutter off the bench with eight points. Needless to say, Nikola had 10 assists in that first half alone. At the end, eight guys ended up with eight or more points. The team ended up with 38 assists. Peyton Watson made Kevin Durant miss all of his 10 field goal attempts in the second half. So even a great game from Yusuf Nurkic didn't help the the Suns win uh, the home game. I loved Nikola's post-game interview where he mentioned how everybody was playing the right way. I also loved the hug between Nikola and Yusuf at the end of the game. It should just remind us that even though trolling other fan bases is fun, we should always keep it at that since it's just a game and these guys are allowed to like each other. Finally, last night, another second night of a back-to-back, 
this time in the capital of California, and you really need to be a Kings fan to know that. Aaron was back, Jamal was still held out. Denver played pretty well, had an eight-point cushion in the, uh, the first time Nikola took a break late in the first quarter, but then they were in an eight-point hole when he came back. Sacramento is not the team to play the Andre Jordan against, especially on the second night of a back-to-back. Denver lost the minutes with him on the court badly. Minus 67.3 was his net rating in those 10 minutes he played. So Denver lost the game. Nikola was plus 11 in. They wasted his 114th triple-double. It was a scheduled loss, and we have to live with it. The Nuggets are now 14-7. and seven which is a 54-55 win pace. Not bad considering how brutal their schedule was and how many games they've played without their second best player. All right, it is time to introduce my panel for today. First, a Serbian corner debutant, but by no means an inexperienced basketball talking head. He has been one of the main editors of the official EuroLeague internet site for the past 20 years. He is the founder of the EuroLeague fantasy game, and is a co-host of the BasketCast podcast together with 2019 FIBA World Cup champion Quino Colom. I hope your Spanish is better than mine, so you can follow his podcast better than I can. He's also a huge Nuggets fan, so welcome, Javier, Javi, and Cedro. What's up, Miroslav? I'm really, really happy to be here. He's been, I've been wanting to be here for a while. I, I, maybe my favorite thing about this podcast is discovering uh, some pretty famous people that are Nuggets super fans all around the world. That That's yeah. a really, really great revelation for me. So tell me, when did you become a Nuggets fan and for the love of God, why? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good question. I get it a lot. Uh, well, uh, when I became a Nuggets fan, it was 1985 and there was no broadcast of the NBA in Spain, but we had magazines. And I liked... A lot of things about the Nuggets. The players, uh, Kitty Van de Weg and Alex English and Pat Lieber when he came. And the fact that they were the team that scored the most points, allowed the most points. Remember, I was a 12-year-old kid. I was uh, looking into these things. And, of course, uh, the rainbow jerseys. I'm wearing this Mutombo jersey today. Mutombo wasn't the team yet. And then uh, I have this uh, European culture that when you choose a team, you stay with the team forever. And uh, through the 90s, it was especially the late 90s, was really horrible. But now I've been rewarded after 35, 40 years of uh, following the Nuggets. I'm, I was there in the final for a couple of games, and it's like a dream come true. And also, I got to finally got to go to Denver in 2022, and seeing all these people with Nuggets jerseys, it was like an epiphany. It was like I'm, I'm home. I'm home. I mean, uh, it's like I've been always uh, from Denver. I don't know how to explain it. So uh, tell me, uh, are you allowed to have a favorite team in EuroLeague as well? Uh, no, not really. And uh, my team, my favorite team, everybody knew was the team from Sevilla. I'm from Sevilla. But the team changed hands and uh, fired all the employees that I liked. So, kind of, so my best, my top three teams of all time have always been the Nuggets. This team was, was called San Fernando. And uh, of course, the Spanish national team, which has been very successful and uh, finally, I got a little taste of what it feels to be a champion, and now also with the Nuggets, so I cannot really ask for more. Yes, I, I agree with that. Okay, next up, another podcast host. He's uh, this time from the Box State Boys podcast, and one of my favorite Twitter accounts to follow. Needless to say, he is a Nuggets super fan. It's Steven Zamora. Welcome back to the show, Steve. Uh, Hello, here. everybody. Sorry. Um... Glad to be here. Appreciate being here. Thank you so much for having me, Miroslav, again. Um, I was going to try to come up with something uh, cool to say at the beginning, but I just watched my Broncos lose um, this game inexplicably. So now I'm stunned and I don't know what to say. Yeah, it, it feels like the Broncos just just have to go down again so the Nuggets can rise up. It it like coincided the 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 moments Broncos were playing really good. That was the Nuggets slump at that point. Yeah. I guess Denver cannot have too much too much happiness. No, uh, it's been like that ever since I was young. Uh, anytime the Broncos are good, the Nuggets are bad. Anytime the Nuggets are good, the Broncos are bad. And like you said, it really showed its face last week with like. How, or a couple weeks ago, I guess, 
with uh, how bad the Nuggets are playing and how good the Broncos are playing. So, I don't know. Hopefully, this means good things for the Nuggets. <laughs> so, so having said that, what surprised you more? The Nuggets' furious start of the season, nine, uh, what was it, eight and one? Or the on-the-road slump that followed that, that one and four road road trip? Uh, probably the slump a little bit more, just because we've had um, you know, we've had a pretty large sample size of games without Jamal Murray before, and it didn't look that bad. Um I mean, they came out, I think, six and five afterwards um, without him. But uh, still, like, it just – there was some really sloppy ball. It was just really bad play. That that Houston game, I think it was on the 24th, was, like, one of the worst games I've seen them play in a long time. Um, yeah, that, that was probably the most surprising part. We, we will reference that game, even though it's not from this week, later yeah, on. Yeah, okay, I'm, and I'm, I'm sure, too. Last but not least – he is an absolute legend of the Nuggets internet, if I may say so. He's a guy I've been following from the very start of the Nikola Jokic era in Denver. And still to this day, the only winner of the steps on the DNBA show. I'm obligated to say that. I guess we'll have to wait for the next pandemic so somebody could challenge him. Calling from Austin, Texas is Connor Chill Ducey, or for friends, just Deuce. What up, Deuce? Miroslav, no one does intros like you, man. Across across all of the podcasts, nobody does intros like you. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I think I'm happy with with not having another steps champion. If it means there are no more pandemics in, in our lifetime, at least. Yeah, I'll accept not winning another steps to not go through another <laughs> pandemic. That seems reasonable. Uh, happy to be here, man. Um, love talking basketball with, uh, with you. And it's great to meet Javi and Zamora via the internet. Zamora, I followed for a long time, but, um, I guess I was going to say, obviously the Will Barton union is still going strong. Um, I was coming into this season wondering if Reggie Jackson was going to be my player that I would have to stand up for, but I think he's played so well. I don't think I need to worry about that. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's let's start with with, with the show. Uh, let's start with last last night's game. So, Javi, I hate the back to back excuse. I just do. You remember better than me the old Eurobasket format where the teams would play eight games in ten days and nobody complained about the schedule. Then again, your superstars are playing for so many minutes and are relied upon more than ever. I believe the defense is more exhausting. Uh, you know, because of the three-point re- revolution, so there's so much more field to cover. So I kind of get it. But were you annoyed with the way the Nuggets lost the game in Sacramento, or were you impressed by the fact they almost climbed all the way uh, uh, back uh, back at the end? Well, I I like the fact that we fought, and uh, I've been looking around uh, some box scores, and I see. And this is a trend that when Nikola Jokic takes 23, 23 field goals or more, the team is three and four. Uh, when we overuse Jokic, uh, we pay a price uh, usually. And okay, we lost on the road against a very good team uh, on the second night of back to back. There's nothing to worry about. But I like the way the team fought and fought until the end. And if it wasn't for well a couple of mistakes down the stretch, we could have competed for the game. And uh, that's a good sign, I think. Steve, were you annoyed by the way the, the, the game started against Sacramento? Um, not really with how it started, because to see Jokic going off like that and being aggressive and looking for a shot, it's always fun to watch. Like, I love when Jokic is aggressive like that. Um, I wouldn't say annoyed. I, a little bit more towards the middle of the game, it was kind of annoying just because... Um, it wasn't necessarily the Jokic stuff. It was more, I just felt like there was no defense being played. Um, earlier in the week, they, you know, I said this a couple of times, like they had skated by on a couple games, just with no defense and just pure offense. And that'll work against some teams, but against a good team like Sacramento, that's not going to work. Sacramento can go down there and score almost every time if you allow them to. So I don't know. It just, to me, when they don't play defense, it, that's what's really annoying to me. Yeah, Deuce, were you 
hopeful they will they will actually get it in the fourth quarter when they started their run. I mean, I kind of coped going into that game, just being like, hey, we won one of these two games. Obviously, we kind of felt I kind of felt like it was a schedule loss. I think most people would say that. Um, so I kind of went in like, hey, they're probably going to lose tonight. Um, so I wasn't too pressed um, about about the game. I think I mean, the, the Kings are a good team and they're fun to watch. So for me, um, for me, I just kind of enjoyed the game. But just coping being like hey it's a schedule loss yeah <laughs> i have to say i i hate that i mean we we all know it it's something that uh, it's it's present in the nba we, we just I, I i just hope nba finds a way to make all the games more competitive and like make every every loss more devastating than what it is today but it is what it is so steve uh, Peyton Watson and KCP were the only guys with a positive plus-minus outside of Yoke, and and Christian Brown was a zero there. It corresponds with the motion that that the Nuggets lost this game not because of their offense, even though 109 offensive rating isn't stellar, uh, and it's probably because of that horrible first half uh, start, but because they couldn't get enough stops against a quick and offensively potent team uh, like Sacramento. Is Peyton now in your circle of trust or would you rather play Justin Holiday if the players, uh, if the playoffs would start tomorrow? Um, so I think it depends more on the matchup, to be honest. Um, I like what spacing Justin brings. Um, when he's on the court, it's opened a lot, a lot more. Gives more room to Yoke and, and Jamal to to do their stuff and AGE to get in the dunker and stuff like that. Um, so I do like that. I just think Justin kind of benefits a lot from playing with Jokic. So to me, Peyton Watson represents a higher ceiling. I think we're going to need that defensive ceiling in the playoffs. Um, we're going to be going against guys that he's a good matchup against. You know, he did a great job against KD in that Suns game. He did, he, he, he's a good option for those, you know, good scoring wings. Um, when he's, when he's playing disciplined, um, and he's going to get better at that throughout the season. Um, he is a gamble, but he's a gamble I'd be willing to bet on. Um, especially considering the fact that the playoffs don't start tomorrow and they're going to start in April. You know, we got a good five months here for him to ramp up and learn, you know, um, to be a little bit more disciplined and, um, you know, stay on his feet, you know, um, play more solid and, and not gamble so much defensively and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think I think Justin is a good option off the bench. If if there is a matchup that Watt is struggling with or something, um, it, it's nice to have Justin there. But personally, if it was me, I would I would be I'd be comfortable going in the playoffs with Watt right now. So, do do you also project Pivot to be ready for these playoffs already? It's hard to say. It's it's hard to say. I mean, I think I I wouldn't put him in my circle of trust just yet. Offensively, I think he's just so raw, and I mean, it's completely understandable. I mean, really, this is like his first season of high level basketball that he's ever played. Um, that being said, I love his skill set. We rarely have gotten wings with his athleticism and his, and his sort of defensive tools around Jokic. Uh, so for me, I definitely want to see him playing um, because I agree. Uh, I have been very impressed with Justin Holiday, who, truthfully, I hadn't watched a lot, but just what I thought he was, I wasn't very excited to watch him. Um, so he has definitely been a nice fit with the Nuggets and I think really savvy pickup uh, for the value of, you know, just being a smart basketball player that could play with Jokic. Um, but Peyton Watson, I love to watch. I think the, I think he's going to have nights with really questionable decision making offensively, just because that's skills he has to grow. Um, but yeah, I kind of I agree with Steve. I would like to see him playing and gearing up for the playoffs, and I think um, I think there's a decent chance he can be a utility uh, piece in the playoffs. I'd say like high chance that he will play a little bit. I would say lower chance that he's like a 20 15 20 minute reliable guy by the playoffs but you never know okay so javi in europe coach is the highest authority in every team 
But in NBA, it's it's a bit different. Do you expect coach on on court coach Jokic to to discipline uh, Peyton enough for for these playoffs already? Yeah, Jokic has been getting ready for this all summer. Uh, all this uh, myth about not he not caring about basketball in the summer is not true. We kind of know it. He rests his body, yes, but he we know he has been uh, to seminars with the best Serbian coaches in. In, well, in the, in the country, like Zelko Bradovic, like Dusan Alempijevic, people that you know well, like, like Kokosko, who also is under the NBA. So he, tactically, he's become better, and he's more of a coach on the court than, than he was before. And uh, I think that benefits not just Peyton Watson, just benefits everybody. He knows uh, their systems, the opponent's systems. He, he has all, all, all the game in his mind, and uh, that's only going to be good news for Denver. By the way, uh, I forgot to say a couple of things before. One is that, of course, uh, Sacramento has a, an advantage when it plays to, with Denver. Is Jordi Fernandez, uh, my fellow Spanish and now Kings uh, associate head coach. He knows everything about the Nuggets. He's been there for five or six years. And that's always going to make it harder for the Nuggets to play the Kings. And, and also, I mean, for me, uh, working in the EuroLeague, following the EuroLeague for so many years, this term of schedule loss, Oof, I really cannot take it. And I guess it's the same for you, Miroslav. <laughs> schedule loss. I mean, in the EuroLeague, there's no schedule loss. Every game matters. That's our motto. And uh, it's hard to really hear it, but it's, it's true. It happens. Yeah, and, and you know how much Mike Malone hates using uh, losing to Sacramento Kings. Mm. And now he has Jordi on the other side. So, yeah, I guess I guess the championship will not be enough for him to chill about that matchup. In, in the future. So, Dus, what the hell happened with the three-point shooting in this game? And I'm not talking only about uh, the Nuggets hitting their first three two minutes before the end of the third quarter. I'm also talking about them only taking 25 shots from the outside. I, I, I remember I woke up to watch this game live at the beginning of, of second quarter and there was all, all already like, like a 7-0 uh, difference in three-point pointers made in in the game what, what happened there yeah six six for 25 is tough i mean uh, some nights some nights you just don't have it um i would i would uh i didn't get to watch the king's game as closely so i'd love to get your guys' thoughts on that um ct would stay would say play play strother more he will he'll <laughs> get the shots up <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Javi? What did you see? Well, I watched the game on tape delay because it was really, really late for my standards, and I also had EuroLeague uh, until like midnight. But uh, yeah, well, I don't know. Like I said, good knowledge from the opponent, and well, just kind of an off night because they also hit a lot of shots. I think they, they hit 16, 17 three pointers in that game. So, well, uh, I don't know. I guess that uh, it happens sometimes. I mean, the, the team is, is ready to, well, to, to contest three-point shots, and then you try to go for Jokic, and then Jokic takes 23 shots. And like I said, it looks like it's more probable that Lambert loses when he takes a lot of shots. So maybe that's, that's why. Yeah, Steve, uh, to me, it looked like the young guys were afraid to shoot three-pointers after seeing the starters not hitting anything. So maybe they, they thought, uh, you know, Coach Malone would be mad at them if they would just continue missing those shots. Yeah, I I could see that. Um, I I feel like they're they press a lot too. Um, you got. I mean, I imagine being coached by Malone is probably kind of intimidating for a young guy. You know, um, he kind of has a history of like being giving people a short leash and stuff like that. So I could see that. Um, I also I I just don't feel like they were hunting that that shot very much. It wasn't like they were really going for a lot of outside shots. Um, like I said, it seemed like they were really trying to feed Jokic and trying to make that um, a big part of their game plan going into it. Um, I wish, I mean, I feel like just it's kind of a compounded effect, right? You don't look for your shot a lot. And on top of that, you know, like Duke said, it, it was kind of just an off night. When they did go for their shots, everything bricked. And, um, you know, another, you know, and then another factor is, you know, you see the starters missing, you know, you probably don't have, you know, the most green light to go out there and, you know, hit as many shots as you can. Yeah. 
yeah, I guess schedule loss compounded with with bad shooting luck and lack of defense. So and, it, and it, legs, it is what it is. You know, a lot of yeah. a lot of short shots, a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of overcompensating and taking long threes and yeah, a lot of stuff. Okay, let's take uh, one short break and then we'll continue with another game. Don't go anywhere. Okay, we are back. We had the amazing performance by the bench guys in Los Angeles versus the Clippers. So there was no Yoke, no Jamal, no Aaron. KCP and MPJ shot horribly, 6 of 27. So that was a no-show from the starters. No problem. Reggie and DeAndre combined for 56 points, 18 rebounds, and 18 assists. <laughs> Jesus. Justin Holiday got the start and was awesome. KCP was great on defense. Jay Straw and P. Watt off the bench with great energy and poise. There's plenty to say about the fake team the Clippers are, but what an amazing showing from the other guys. Steve, what was your main takeaway from this game? Uh, that Reggie is that man. That He is that dude. Um, if you remember, he had a game against Houston on the 24th where he scored two points. And people were calling for his head. People wanted him to get traded. They wanted him cut. Like, you know, there was a lot of overreaction after that game. I was I was online on Reddit and Twitter arguing, you know, for him. And um, he comes out a couple of days later and makes me look good. So I loved it. Um, he had more points than Westbrook, Harden, and Paul George combined. Like. Out of the three, three out of the big four couldn't keep up with Reggie Jackson. So, um, you know, it was a big game. It was cool. I loved seeing him. I loved him. I love seeing DeAndre get it going. Like, that was a huge deal. Um, and now we got DeAndre in the rotation because of it. So, you know, it was a big game for them guys. I think the biggest takeaway from that is that Reggie could be trusted. I feel like that was kind of a, you know, um, I don't know what's the best way to put it, but it, it kind of gave me a lot more trust in him to be a good rotation guy. So, Deuce, we'll talk more about Reggie and DeAndre in a second. Just tell me before that, what the hell are the Clippers? Soulless basketball team. They're exactly what they're they're exactly what they've always been, which is <laughs> not. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is it is kind of an, it is kind of sad. Like I almost feel bad, but. Um, yeah, there's just no character there. I mean, it's just like you put a team together, you got to watch it. You got a team's got to grow together. It's a team. Um, and I mean, James Harden, who, you know, is an has a, had an incredible career. I think he will be the best like loser of all time. You know what I mean? Like he's going to have that reputation when it's all said and done. And it's just like he, that's probably the highest level player I can think of in any of the major sports over here is where it's going to be like a pretty negative uh, overall view of him. So I think they have time to figure it out. I actually think Ty Lue, I know he's people are a little iffy on his performance. I feel like he's a good coach. So I won't be surprised if they get a little more competitive, but I just, I just don't like the makeup of that team. Yuck. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. So Javi, <laughs> the, the, this is an interesting angle. So in EuroLeague, you usually don't have a lot of guys that will play more than like 28 minutes per game. You usually have uh, uh, bigger uh, rotations in the teams to keep the, the intensity of play high throughout the game. So I'm guessing you were not surprised by the other guys stepping up and, and showing their, their true face. No, and I think it's, a, it's very good news that Jackson and, and the other Jordan... Uh had such a great game because, uh, like, like Zamora said, uh, I mean, right now, I mean, all the doubts that we could have about Reggie Jackson are gone. I mean, this guy belongs to, to the rotation. He can lead the second unit even, and that's that's great news. In the EuroLeague, no, you don't really get to see players play more than eight minutes in a row. There are exceptions. Some guy, for instance, Nigel Hayes-Davis uh, plays in Fenerbahce. He plays over 30 minutes per game each game, but that's, uh, like, like I said, an exception. Team, like the biggest teams, like Madrid, Barcelona, Olympiacos, they play their, their guys, I think, up to 25, 26 minutes. That's the way it goes. Also, uh, 
it's 40 minutes per game, not 48. So it makes sense. So would you say that Reggie is the most potent scorer the Nuggets have had in Jogic's era coming off the bench? Mm. I would say, well, Brucey B last year. And uh, I would say, I think that Will Barton. Mm, oh, I, I just, like a, I just, I just made Deuce mad. Yeah, yeah, no, but I mean, he was, uh, he was a part-time starter when Jokic arrived. Right? He's a starter. He doesn't qualify. He's yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, but I mean, Reggie Jackson right now has been a part-time starter too. I mean, he played more or less the same, the same number of games off the bench that Will Barton did early uh, when Jokic arrived. So. But I would say that Reggie Jackson is potentially the, the best scorer that Jokic ever had of the country. Yeah, so Mike Brown, after the game, said actually that Reggie Jackson is in fact a starting uh, point guard that is just right now in a role of, of a backup point guard. Steve, do you, do you believe that he could start for a good team right now? For after what we've team? seen this season? For a good team, I think um, I think he would fit with like Orlando. I think they need a good point guard like that that can really score and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, the Clippers showed that they could have used him. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a couple but, good teams I think he could have started on. You know, um, Phoenix maybe. Phoenix, yeah, they definitely need a point guard. Um, yeah, I think I think he could start on a few good teams. Uh, I'm. It's not. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say like Reggie Jackson's one of the best point guards in the NBA or anything right now. And like he, you know, he's definitely one of the best starting point guards or, or he would be one of the best starting point guards. But I think, you know, he'd be serviceable for a lot of teams that, you know, could use some scoring punch and, you know, a little bit of spacing and a bit of playmaking. What about you, Deuce? What, what, what is your feeling yeah. regarding well i think you have a okay. i think your question's a great question because i think he i think he probably is i feel like the other two i would have in there would be malik beasley who is more of a shooter um but he when he had big games that would usually mean a nuggets win a fun nuggets win uh or bones and i mean i think reggie's better than bones um but yeah i think you got to look at the reggie signing it's just fantastic i mean i know when i got the notification i was a little surprised Uh, but if but Same. then looking at the numbers of free agent signings, it's like we needed a scorer. We needed a guy that could handle the ball, which is still a weakness on the team, I would say. Um, we needed a ball handler that could create. And Reggie, compared to the other free agents, I think was probably the best one you could get for for that price. And so home run signing, I mean, I think he is a great backup guard. So um i think i mean he actually someone said someone tweeted this i forget who and voya will be mad at me but i mean to me he's like a it's like a juiced up monte um because he's got that little floater i think he monte's thing was he needed to ramp his usage up in my opinion um and i think reggie is more willing to shoot so i kind of like his fit in the pick and roll um i've been impressed with him yeah reggie, reggie has been scoring in bunches and this is what you need Off, off the bench, or even with the starters. He really bailed out the Nuggets uh, several times this season. But another guy that had a great game here was DeAndre Jordan. That was a vintage vintage game from him. So, does, do you feel more confident about the backup five role in the regular season after what we've seen from DJ in that game? Or did the last night game pour water on that idea? I think... Good question, huh? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, honestly, I hate to just be mean, but I think it just makes me more frustrated with the backup big situation. Because I think like if you just had a competent athletic big, um, you could you could make the pick and roll work with that backup unit. And I don't think Zeke can do that. And I think they put a lot of faith in Zeke and I think they're not going to be rewarded. Um, DeAndre, um, I think is I don't think he's a guy you can rely on every night. Um, but I, I mean, he deserves a ton of credit for that game. He was awesome. Like when he threw the, like behind the back pass, I was going dummy at, at the house. Like I was going crazy. Um, so yeah, I would say, I, I mean, I would say let's play Deandre a little bit, like, let's see how it goes, but he's, you know, he's not a guy that can play 15 minutes a night. I don't think so. Um, I think if anything, it's like, Hey, if you get a, athletic rim running big with reggie that can work it's just deandre's just might be a little too old to to do that reliably 
so Steve, I I actually think that Deandre can play in almost all of the games if he plays perfectly. He played the Clippers perfectly. He didn't make a single mistake against the Clippers. He didn't miss a single dunk against the Clippers like he did against Sacramento. <laughs> so <laughs> that's not a, a very wide margin of error for him, isn't it? Uh, no, uh, but I don't know. I don't. I don't think. I don't know if he really needs to play perfectly, um, but he does need to do his role right. You know, like he he needs to perform within his role. Um, he, he just needs to be himself, right? He just needs to be able to go get them lobs, um, play some good defense, communicate with everybody. You know, kind of captain that defense in the back line get guys in the right positions and stuff like that. You know, he's a veteran, so he should be able to, you know, his voice should matter with those guys. Um, and, and just, you know, set good screens. What? Oh, one thing I got is this is driving me nuts. Zeke will not set screens. Oh, it gets on my goddamn nerves. He, every single time he touches the guy's shoulder and runs away. Like I've said this on my own show a bunch of times. Like I, I it just drives me nuts. If Z can set screens, that's going to change a lot of stuff. Um, but DeAndre sets good screens. He can he he if he just fills his role the right way, what we have him here for, I think he'll be serviceable. Um, can we get another big who you know can fill all those roles that Deuce was talking about? Where you know you're you're athletic, you can get a lob here or there. Um, I would love somebody who can handle a DHO. A little bit, you know, um, and it's somebody who just sets screens and just does the big man work, you know, just does Bring the normal big man. Yeah, just does the <laughs> big man stuff that a big man's supposed to do. You know, I think that just would make a huge difference. So, Javi, after what you've seen last night or today, probably because it was too late to 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 watch live, uh, would you play Zeke or DeAndre next game and consider it's the Clippers again? Well, uh, first, uh, the minute that Mason Plumley is in the market, I will go for him. I mean, I think this is the player that we've missed. I mean, okay, the Nuggets have been champions. They improve a lot. But this is the – he played the perfect role for Denver. He could play with Jockey, without Jockey, set pick and rolls, finish out above the rim. He was perfect for that role. Um, and he hasn't been, well, playing well even uh, since he left Denver. So if, he ever, if he's ever available – I will try to trade for him. Let's say that. Then now, uh, I agree. Uh, Naji pops a lot. He he doesn't set good screens. And now, I mean, in the end, the Andrew Jordan was All NBA first team six years ago. I mean, he knows how to play. He's okay. He's played this role like like cracking jokes uh, on the bench and everything. <laughs> but the guy can play, and uh, I would play him over Naji, of course. Yeah, what what Steve said about his screen setting, like maybe he'll get to it in his sixth season. This is his fourth <laughs> season in the NBA, and we still complain about his screen setting. I don't know, man. I don't know. I I'm not sure if that if that you know train. Uh, I'm still waiting already. for the day I see a good screen from him, man. Like I keep I keep a specific eye for it when I'm watching. Like Zeke's in, I'll, I'll, let's get one good screen in here, Zeke. And I'm like, I'm still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On that note, let's take one more short break, and then we'll come back. Okay, we are back. Deuce, let's jump to the Houston game now. I mean, this is just a backdrop to ask you about players. Why do you think Houston is such a tough matchup for the Nuggets? By the way, we'll see them uh, in two games again for the fourth time this season. Are they just good, or, or is it something else? I think. I think first. I think two things. I think their coach is very good. I think obviously his track record speaks for itself, and they're playing hard for him. Uh, and then I just think they have nice defensive talent. You look at Eason, you look at Tate. Um, I'm drawing a blank on one of their other wings, but um, they have nice defensive talent. And they would play like the in season tournament game that we lost to them, they were just playing their butts off. I mean, they were just playing very hard, um, competing. 
and that's one of those things where you know I'm I, I'm in Texas, so I have a couple friends that are Rockets fans, so I'm happy to see a franchise that's really been in the dirt uh, putting a product out there that you can actually watch. Um, why are they a tough challenge? I think I think it's just a little bit of the length, and I think it was just uh, kind of effort based. I want to say um, is kind of the big takeaway I had from from the game that they really gave us trouble. It was just um, I don't think the Nuggets were up for it, and I think they were playing at a very high intensity level. So, Javi, do you think the Nuggets are not ready for the kind of defensive intensity Houston is ready to show in every game? Mm, probably at this time of the year, no, but the Nuggets uh, basically won the NBA Finals on, on hard defense. So, um, I guess it's a process. Uh, the team is playing offensively really well and, and defensively will catch up uh, eventually. So, I wouldn't worry too much. I mean, this team, for some reason, they won three in a row. I mean, remember that game late in the regular season last year that everybody was uh, freaking out about because they were basically playing their G League team and we still lost with our starters. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we, we got the win the other day and, uh, I mean, we should get another one uh, this week, we'll see. So, Steve, yeah, the, the next game will also be in Denver because they've lost the first two in Houston. So, do you think Houston might be a playoff or a playing team this season already with the veteran guys they've brought in for this season? Uh, that's funny. I was actually going to ask you guys the same thing. Uh, I was going to see what you guys thought on that. Um, personally, when coming into the season, uh, I had them as like my league pass team, right? Everybody has like their league pass team or whatever. Uh, last year, mine was Orlando, but this year I'm like trying to keep a close eye on Houston just because I think Ime is a really, really good coach and he's like exactly what Houston needed. Um, those They have a ton of talent, like Jabari Smith Jr., um, Jalen Green, uh, Shangun. Like these guys are like talented, you know, and they just seem like they didn't have any leadership. You know, they felt like an AAU team. Um but all that to say, like, I'm I personally didn't think they were going to make the playoffs this year. I didn't think they were going to be as good as they are this year. But if you do look at it, like they have been home for a lot of games this year so far and have hardly any away games. And they're a young team. And that's kind of like the calling card of a young team. You know, you play good at home when you have all the energy, when you have the crowd behind you. Um, and they're, you know, I think that's what they're benefiting from the most right now. I think they're like a play-in team. Um, at the end of the day, I still got to, I still want to see some growth from Jalen green or either Jalen or Jabari to see who's going to be Shangun's real number two over there. Um, or even any of the other guys, honestly, like, um, if any of the other guys want to step up the way Alpi did this year, man, like, I think that's a really good team, but you know, as far as this year, I think, you know, they're probably a play-in team. They're probably going to go around 500. So, Javi, uh, we mentioned the game Nuggets lost to to Houston in the in the in season tournament. Is it just the difference, the fact that they were home then and now they were away? So that was a completely different game. Is it because Jamal was back in the lineup? And also tell me, how do you feel about the in season tournament so far? In, the first yeah. season of the NBA? It's hard to say because uh, it depends on people's motivation to play. Because, uh, okay, in, in Europe we have two domestic competitions, the league and the cup. And the cup is usually similar to the in-season tournament. Actually, they down route copied from, from European basketball. And uh, people tend to not to overthink, okay, like, if you don't make it to the cup, if you don't win the cup and you win the league, everything's forgotten. Like, uh, it looks like the only team that actually cares and the only one that actually um, gives value to the to the cup to the, to the in-season tournament is the team that wins. And everybody else, well, let's say, okay, let's focus on the league and forget about this. And uh, this is what I think is is, is going to happen. Like the winner will give it a lot of um, well importance, let's say, 
and the losers will will forget quickly and i think that's the best thing that the nuggets can do like not care about this uh, i think it's just an experiment let's say so far and move on and try to win another uh, nba title by the way uh, before i forget uh, also houston played 17 games less than any other team in the west uh at some point that the schedule is going to be crazy for them and now uh, that's gonna they're gonna pay a toll for that and i think if i have to bet they won't make it to the playoffs or, or to the play steve what did you think about the, the in-season tournament so far uh i love it uh anything to bring more competition this you know this is usually the dead part of the season this is part you know that even like the most devoted nba fans are like eh, i might skip that game you know, so I think it's great. Um, the, the players seem to have really bought in. seems like a lot of the players have really, you know, said like this matters. We want to win this, you know, um, which is cool because it's like these are the most competitive people on the planet, you know, to see them be like, no, I'm going to I'm going to win this. I want to prove that I'm better than you on this night. You know, um, I think it's a smart move by Adam Silver. Um, I even pulled up. Uh, so I got. In uh, the stats for it, in November, uh, it, they averaged 1.48 million viewers across ESPN and TNT, up 19% from any comparable Tuesdays and Friday night games from November of last year. So it's working. People are tuning in. They're checking it out. Uh, you know, the court, I think, is like, they're wild. Like, let's be honest. Like, these courts are wild. They're loud. Um, but it draws ice. It draws people in, you know. Um, even when I'm like making clips about, you know, the, um, the week previously, like I do a little segment on my show where I clip together, um, you know, the biggest plays throughout the week. And it's just like eye popping. Like you just like immediately you see like the bright red court or the bright blue court or whatever. And you're like, Oh, okay. In season tournament game, you know, like I personally, I just think it was a genius move. I think Adam Silver really knocked it out of the park with that one. So does, I don't really care about the viewership because it's the casuals that are you know <laughs> getting on the bandwagon in november mm -hmm. but i really like the 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 increased intensity of the games we've seen i mean in a lot of games we've seen it what was your impression of nuggets are out it's so mickey far? mouse don't care no, i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i think it's a i think it's a you know i think it's a good opportunity for like a you know a test run to see where your team's at you know, like, hey, that we're going to lock in with quote unquote playoff intensity. So I think it's cool. Um, I thought the Nuggets uh, played really well um, and then Jamal got hurt. So, I mean, it is one of those things where, you know, uh, for the Nuggets, kind of unfortunate timing with the injury and then a road trip. I mean, they essentially were on a, you know, five game road trip for two of the two of the in season tournament games. So that's just kind of like, you know, I mean, to me, not i would assume uh other teams had more favorable moments with that but um you know unfortunately didn't fall in the nuggets favor but it was cool so i'm i'm happy with it okay yeah, real quick yeah, sorry. sorry um i do want to say too that another point i wanted to bring up too about the end season tournament is one cool thing about it is that teams who don't um who aren't necessarily like prime to make play the playoffs and stuff like that. This is a really cool opportunity for those guys to get these experiences, you know, like do or die games, um, games that actually matter and they're intense and, you know, a whole other level of competition. Right. So that teams like, you know, a San Antonio, right. They can get that kind of experience before they even ever have to go into the playoffs or anything like that. I just think it's really good for like the development of these young guys. Um, and just, you know, the, like you said, the casual fan, right? You bring more casual fans, it's it's more beneficial to everybody. Yeah. Uh, I, I have one idea for the in-season tournament that will never fly because it would be a nightmare to schedule it. But I would actually make it a real cup. No group games whatsoever. Just like you have 30 teams, you would need 32 to have an actual cup. But let's just give two top teams from the from the cup this season a buy in the first round and then just do the complete cup and every game is a is a knockout game and i think that would be even even crazier yeah javi how, how about bringing two yearly teams into the mix 
I mean, that would even make it even more complicated. <laughs> I would, would love fun. that. But imagine if EuroLeague teams would start winning and you have to bring them back to the US for game two or game three. That would be a nightmare to schedule. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking maybe about the two top you know, NCAA teams to, to be included. I don't know. EuroLeague, yeah. that, that might be tough. Maybe if they would start like on, on October fifth or something like that before the season and just ramp up use it instead of the preseason games which are dumb anyway i don't know yeah my men's league team will do it there you go <laughs> excellent okay let's take one last short break and then we'll finish off this show okay now let's go to the San Antonio game. And Javi, you had the chance to watch Wemby up close in Europe and even talk to him a couple of years ago. Can you tell me a bit about him from first-hand experience and what we've seen from uh, him in San Antonio? Was it something that you expected? I had the luck to talk to Wemby uh, uh, when he was 17, uh, pre-season, before he played as well in 2021-22. And I interviewed him, we talked for a little while, we spoke for like around 5 or 10 minutes, and he was, what, what surprised me that he had both feet on the ground. He said, look, I know about my abilities, but I know that if I don't work hard and I don't improve my body, let's say, I'm not going to go anywhere. And uh, I think he took the right steps also uh not playing a second year league year because it was really tough he was he had a really hard time in the yearly when he played uh so he went to play only one competition and he said no to the Eurobasket, and he got ready to be who he is right now in the nba i even gave myself i mean i i should have done it but i couldn't resist myself uh, to give him some piece of advice what i told him is uh, don't lose what makes you special i mean don't because when Pau, for instance when Pau Gasol uh, went to the NBA, he could go like dribbling behind the back, uh, throwing assists, running the court, the ball, I mean, running the court with the ball. And he lost all that in Memphis because he was pushed to the center spot to just uh, take jump hooks. And of course, uh, Pau Gasol is a legend, but I think he could have been much better even if they let him play the way he played in Europe. Uh, with that in mind, uh, basketball has changed a lot. And, uh, and of course, uh, now Wemby has more freedom to do whatever he wants. And uh, but um, well, I mean, that's what I, I was kind of obliged to say to him. Like, you know, this is what I expect you from. I mean, just do what makes you special, because otherwise you just be one of other. Let's say one Christoph Porzingis, who is a great player, but um, it's not no no. I mean, it's not what Wembyama can become. Without due respect to Porzingis, who by the way is my friend, and I don't want him to, I don't want to piss him off. When I think about his fragile body, I think it's really good for him that he is in the NBA now and not in the Euroleague, because hmm. Euroleague game is pretty, pretty physical. Do you think it's it's a blessing in disguise for him just yes. to to start his professional career really in the NBA? Some players are meant to be in the Euroleague, like like Kristaps and and like Wembyama, and some players are meant to be in Europe. Uh, they're more, for instance, Jabari Parker is playing really well now in in Barcelona. Uh, his game is more uh, out. For for instance, I think Kevin Durant is one of the few players who could be great in both leagues without having to adjust. But that's an exception. Uh, the way the game is played in Europe has nothing to do with the way the game is played in the NBA. And it's, it's beautiful. You have to play different leagues. And if you can follow both and, and appreciate the good things on each league, it's, it's great. And don't, don't remind me, back in 2014, Serbia was dominating the World Cup. And then Kevin Durant came in and scored like 40 on us. And he, he just could have, you know, shoot from anywhere. And it was all, all wet. So, Steve, were you excited to see Jok versus Vembi for the first time? Wemby had 22 and 11 in only 25 minutes. And how do you project that duel going forward? Uh, yeah, I that was one I was looking forward to for a while since I saw, you know, pretty much since I first ever even heard of Wemby. I was like, man, I can't wait to see him, you know, how he impacts the game against Jokic and, you know, what kind of stuff Jokic could do against him and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that was a 
for a team that's only won like I think like three games, like that was one game I've had circled. Um, as far as like the future, um, I think Jokic is too strong. He's just you know too too much of a big body for him. Um, I think he, you know it's going to be years before Wemby's you know big enough, strong enough to be able to really keep Jokic off of his spots and. I don't know. I don't really have any real like data or anything to back this up, but I really feel like Jokic does a lot better against like taller, longer guys than he does against like shorter, like stouter guys, like strong guys that can kind of get him off his spots and stuff. And, you know, honestly get away with like fouling because they're smaller. Um, so I just, I don't think Wemby is going to be, I don't think Wemby's prime is ever going to be hitting at the same time as Jokic and his really. So, you know, um, I kind of feel like Jokic is going to always kind of big bro him. And Wemby, you know, once Wemby's in his prime, Jokic will kind of, you know, we'll, we'll just be like, oh, Jokic is getting old. You know, it's not a, it's not a big deal. Wemby just sent his shots to the third row, you know. Oh, well, it's all right. Jokic is getting old. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to clip this. Jokic is getting old. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and put, put hate on you. Deuce. Welcome, uh, Jokic welcomed Wemby with his season-high 39 points, I believe, which is kind of crazy since his average on the season is 29 points. Talk about consistency this season. Can we take a moment to talk about a guy who is now four total assists under the 10 per game average? He is at the moment leading the whole effing league in total points, total rebounds, total assists. Adam Mares put out his mildly hot take that Jokic is getting better since he's now not only leveling up his own game but is also super engaged in leveling up his teammates especially the young ones by constantly coaching them on the court there's no doubt that he is playing his best regular season uh, basketball right now his box plus minus is 15.6 for god's sake after a quarter of the yes. season What do you think he's improved at the most to be able to deliver this kind of basketball? Yeah, it is funny with all the Nuggets discourse. I mean, you almost forget about Jokic sometimes because it's just so expected. Uh, I mean, but yeah, end of the day, it's a blessing to watch the Nuggets any night because we're getting to watch Jokic, even if some things make you want to pull your hair out sometimes. Uh I think Adam said it on the pod last night. I mean, I think you got to look at the shot attempts. Um, you kind of, you know, I think he's made a choice to be a little bit more aggressive mindset wise, which is really interesting um, why he's done that. I think, um, you know, maybe it's like the Larry Bird thing where he was like, I'm going to play lefty. It's like maybe Jokic is kind of like, hey, let me try out this style of play right now and see how I feel doing this. Um, maybe it's just he's more comfortable doing that now after the playoff run. But I think that's the main thing. Um, I think physically he, he still can get it. We've seen him in better shape than he is right now. I think defensively he's, uh, you know, played, played better than he's, he's played so far this season, but that's to be expected, not really a criticism. Uh, so I think physically he can get better. And then I think, I think he can shoot. I think he's a better than a 30% three point shooter. I mean, Uh, to me, it, for him, it just kind of comes back to focus. Like sometimes I think, you know, shooter, shooter mindset, every shot's the same. You have to be focused. And I think sometimes Yoke is just kind of like, I don't really want to take the shot or like, I'm not happy with how the offense is being played. So I'm going to throw up a three. And I feel like if he like focused, he should be close to 40% three point shooter, but sometimes he just throws him up. And again, I mean, I'm never going to, you know, I'll criticize him, but I'm not going to really care at the end of the day because he's too good. <laughs> so, so Javi, do you think Jokic uh, took time during this summer to check the advanced stats and to see that he is actually shooting 70% in the floater zone and he just said to himself, okay, I'm going to shoot 15 of these next season because what else is going to be more effective than that? I think so. Uh, like I said, he's, uh, he's starting the game a lot and uh, that's what is making him better. And uh, Uh, it, it's so amazing to see him play. I mean, uh, 
just not from the standpoint of a Nuggets fan who has been there forever and, and now we're champions and, and competing for another title. Uh, it's just a delight to see him play. It's uh, the fact that my favorite player is in my favorite team. This is something that I never saw it coming, and it's great. I mean, and he gets better and better. He tactically, he's he's better than ever. He's scoring more points. He keeps uh, well almost averaging double digits in assists. I don't know when he's going to reach his prime. I don't think he has even. We have seen the best version of Jokic. He keeps getting better. I mean. But it's 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 a cheat code, really. I don't know how to. I don't know how to explain it, really, and it's great. I mean, I'll, I'll, like like you said, let's enjoy the show and keep going. It's it's great. <laughs> so so Steve, we are waiting for for Jokic to start plateauing at some point, but we don't want for it to happen in the like next like three four seasons. Imagine the heights he could he could catch there. Yeah, um, he's incredible, man. He is just—he is a whole other level of player. Um, you know, I was too young to really remember Michael Jordan. Like I—I've seen, you know, I remember his Wizards games. I don't really remember too many of his Bulls games. Um, you know, I seen Kobe. I uh, had my heart broken a lot of times by Kobe. Uh, seen LeBron, um, but as far as peak, this is up there, man. This really is like. Him and maybe Le- like 2013 LeBron are like the greatest peaks I've ever seen, man. Um, and the only thing, the only reason I even would have Jokic or even have LeBron up there with him is because of LeBron's impact. But Jokic just does so much more stuff offensively. Like he just, he helps his teammates get so much better. Um, it's crazy that every year we kind of like have like a nitpick thing, right? We're like, Oh, you know, one year we're like, Oh, Jokic wish he would score more. And then he goes out and scores like 27 a game. Uh, you know, last year I remember people being like, Oh, I wish he was more of a leader, like a more of a vocal leader. And then this year he comes in and now he's like calling plays. He's just like making plays up. He's, he's reading the, the Twitter. Man. He's reading the Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's crazy. He just like every single season, like I really don't even know what to say anymore. I don't know what, you know, people questioned his defense, and in the playoffs last year, he was like a very good defender. Um, it, it's just every year, man. He just keeps getting better. I don't, I don't, you know, like Javi said, man. I don't even know where it goes from here. Like, the, I, I, I don't see any more nitpicks from anybody. I don't see anybody criticizing him at all anymore. I just like, where do you go from here? <laughs> I'll find a way. I'll just criticize the shooting. There you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Come on, Jokic, get it together, man. Yeah, get 45% from three, uh, man. No, no, I, I clashed with some some really bad shit, crazy uh, <laughs> people online today. So there are some guys that are still uh, telling us that that his stats are nothing because everything is inflated and this is the worst kind of NBA basketball it's ever. A stat pattern. So, yeah, it's, it's just that the whole league is stat padding, actually, according yeah. to these guys. So, uh-huh. yeah. What you gonna do? Okay, uh, for the very end, Javi, would you like to to promote something before we before we leave? Not really. I mean, of course, the year league is out there for everybody to see. We're having a great season, and uh, it will peak in May with the final four. I started another podcast about the yearly fantasy challenge, the game I created twenty years ago, and we have around two hundred fifty thousand teams this year. I think it's a record, and I don't know. Shout out to the only two Spanish uh, who wore the Nuggets jersey, Juan Chernan Gomez and Rudy Fernandez. Yeah, what about you, about you Steve? Um, so I've got a Box Day Boys podcast. Uh, we drop every Wednesday. Um, it's not really sports related. It's just comedy stuff or, you know, it's pretty much just me and my cousin shooting the shit and, you know, talking about all the stuff that interests us. Um, I mean, this week, I think we're doing an episode on Dragon Ball Z. So, um, you know, just stuff like that. And then um, I just dropped or I just started a new basketball uh, focused channel on YouTube uh, called Talking BS, um, where I put together clips um, and then I kind of review the week that we just had and preview the week ahead. Um, And then uh, my cousins got a streaming platform that they're starting out of the Box State Boys uh, network right now so a lot of stuff coming from us right now um, a lot of hard work um, but yeah hopefully 
some good things in the future. Keep you guys entertained. Excellent. Deuce, do you want to plug something? I don't have anything to plug. Javi, Steve, great to meet you guys. Box State Boys is the name. Goes well. really hard, bro. So thank congrats you, thank on you. that. And Miroslav, you're just a you're an absolute legend, just a gentleman and a scholar. So yes, he is. Fun, fun to talk nugs today. And everyone listening, love you guys. Thank yeah. you very much, guys. All right, that's all, folks. That's that'll do it for this week. A pretty successful one, four and one. Thank God our guys are getting several days now to heal up and rest. And until next week, I'll leave you with one. Idemo nagetsi. <laughs>